Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So we went to, to the birthplace of the Renaissance, and, and one of the things there that, um, that really captured something was the statue of David. And um, apparently they're not worried about nakedness, so it's okay, people. They celebrated that God, when he created the human being, Adam, he said, it's good. This is evil. The fall brought in fig leaves and things and shame and all this kind of stuff. But actually, you need to be comfortable in your own skin. Some of us have got more skin than others, but it's okay. Just be comfortable in your own skin. It's okay. But the thing about the, the, the statue of, of David, and this is in the city of Florence, is that this slab of marble had been selected from the quarries in Italy, and they had planned in the cathedral to have these huge statues that were um, reminding people of biblical themes. And uh, in the early 1400s, they'd started the process, and then they got to this particular um, block of, of marble, and one of the famous guys of the time was commissioned by the town, the city of Florence, and he, he, he hammered away a little bit, and then he quickly gave up, and he said, you know, no, no, can't do this. Some years later, they appointed somebody else, and after a very short time, he quit as well, and he said, there are flaws in the marble, and it can't be done. And this big block of marble lay out in the elements for over a quarter of a century. And then, 1501, a 26-year-old by the name of Michelangelo was appointed. And he brought in some innovation, Steve was talking, brought in some innovation, and instead of what was the traditional method of everybody just chipping away at this block of marble lying on its side, he got it turned up on its end. And he built a platform around it that he could get to the height, because it's five meters high. It's very tall. And what he did was, he, he saw something in the block of marble, he saw the David in the block of marble, and he let David out. Another way of describing it was, he saw David and he just took away everything else that wasn't David. Guys, you talk about wanting innovative thinking. Goodness. We look at what's going on in our country or our situations, just remove everything that you don't want so you'll be left with what you do want. Where other people have said it's impossible, this is flawed and abandon the project, but because you see with a different eye, you can see something, and you can release it. 
And sometimes you've got to turn something up on its end and get a different perspective to bring about something that is grand. You've been born for such a time as this. And God's called you to do some grand things. Maybe it is raising the next generation and maybe the one that you raise will be a world changer. Mm -hmm. That you bring the, the, the influence and the inspiration and the mentoring and the training and you pour yourself into your children, not just that you want to be selfish and, and you know, like a mother hen and protecting them from their world and, and no, you're putting in them the, the substance so that they can be the people to propel things further. The, the other interesting thing about this particular statue and, and obviously Lisa had been studying it um, for just a, it was just a few years ago. It was a photograph put on the family chat. Uh, we have a f family. We, we have a very large family. We won't say whose fault it is, but we have a very large family. And um, so one of the comments, there's a photograph of Lisa and I said, look at John's 21-year-old wife. Um, so Lisa, in her studies, obviously spent a lot of time um, on, on the Renaissance period and, and on Michelangelo and the David. But when you walk in and you see it, uh, Jan had warned us about this, is it take your breath away. And it most certainly did. And it was quite fun because I w we went there with my own son, David, and uh, he appreciates the fine things of life. And, but as we were looking at this thing, you'll notice that this is so different in terms of David from the way other people would portray David in the Bible. And this is actually from the battle of David with Goliath. And everybody else portrayed David with a sword, big sword, because it was Goliath's sword, and his you know, foot on, on Goliath's head because it had been severed. They used to do things like that in those days. And um, But this is David before the battle. He's sizing it up. And uh, this is a, a side view. And the intensity of his eyes, that's the, the sling that's hanging over his shoulder and down his back. You know, he didn't use a catty, it was a sling. And, um, but the intensity, as he's looking across the, the valley at Goliath, knowing that it's not in his strength, but this is something that the Lord is going to accomplish. And the intensity of looking at that, that Goliath, knowing that Goliath is going to come down. And so he's, the... Michelangelo captures something of that. And then you'll notice again that the, the right hand seems to be much larger, overdeveloped uh, in comparison to the rest of the body. And this was done on purpose. This is not an error. 
But this is something to accentuate as he's got a stone in his hand. That this is something that is divine, supernatural. That God is going to take, in a sense, his hand and that stone. And God is going to use that to bring down the giant. You know, with each one of us, we look at, you know, just the, the little resources we have. Small little stone. What can, it, can it, what can it accomplish? In the hands of God, can bring down giants. Mm. So, just in terms of some reflections around, around what the Lord's wanting to do, it's, it's like there's an opportunity for a fresh renaissance. The, the time in, in Europe was chaotic. There was, there was so many wars and, and there was disease and there was, it was the dark ages. Hello, darkness, my old friend. So we can understand the need for renaissance. We're poised for something big. And let's be open to the Lord inspiring us to see things differently and to do things differently. And God can use any one of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Now, where I wanted to get to in the preaching. Are you ready? Isaiah 61. We're entering into a new decade. I believe that, that the Lord is going to be doing some powerful things in the body of Christ, we're going to see the kingdom, the kingdom of God advancing in increasing and accelerated ways. Yes, deep darkness covers the earth, but arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, has risen. And so we not want to be those who are pessimistic and just focus on the doom and the gloom and the darkness. We want to be those who are realistic. Yeah. I didn't say optimistic, I said realistic. Because we just read what God says and then we expect what He says. And He said, light was going to break in. He said that he was going to bring his kingdom and that his rule and his reign, his government was going to increase and have no end. All right. Some of us actually did, you know, Christmas service. And we went to Isaiah chapter 9. For unto us a, a child is born, a son is given on his shoulders will be the government, all right? And of the increase of his rule and reign, there will be no end. Never, ever, ever will be there an end to his kingdom. And it's going to increase. And of the increase of the acceleration, there's not going to be an end to the acceleration. Amen. Scientists are telling us that the Bible's true because they're recognizing that when he said, let there be, it started and it's still going on. Yeah. And it's still expanding in all directions. 
That's called increasing increase. The earth, tiny. Just a few billion people, not a problem. He's got it all. Your life, easy. He's got you. You don't need to be worried about 2020. If you're feeling a little bit worried, stop. Turn to the end of the book. See what the outcome is going to be. And then say, all right, I'm heading in the right direction. Because he wins. And because I'm in him, I get to win as well. So I'm a winner. All right. Isaiah chapter 61. You there? Got it on the screen in case you, you don't know how to get there. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Come on, we too operate in the opposite spirit. The world is in despair, and us, we're praising. We're full of rejoicing and gladness. We're the oily ones. All right? Oil of joy. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Come on. This is how we know God is South African. She says, you oaks. All you oaks are oaks of righteousness, eh? <laughs> Got it. We're going to be a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Come on. A planting means He establishes us. He puts us at a place next to the stream. So that we can bear fruit Every month of the year. We're established and replanted. You know, we've been praying for those who've been suffering in the drought. Okay. Some of us, okay, thank you. So we prayed, and the Lord released rain big time this week. Big time. Um, it was just with Robbie Wardle. And Cathcart, they had been going through the worst drought in a hundred years. The local farmers, they keep records there. Their rainfall is in the summer months, basically starts October, runs through to about April. And they get about 400 mils on average in the summer months, and then they get an extra 50 or so, which is just bonus in the winter months, but it's just a little bit here and there. They hadn't had a drop to consider since April of last year. They were dry, 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 dry. It, he showed me a photograph of, the, of the, the grasslands and the cattle and sheep farmers, and it looked like desert. 
The Eastern Cape looked like it was the Karoo. And the Lord led him many, many years ago to build a dam and a bit like Noah. The neighbors scoffed at him. He even sold off a portion of land. This is now in the, in the 90s. He sold off a farm in order to build a dam. And the, everyone in the district, he was the laughing stock of the district. But this season, when he opened his dam to keep other people alive, he wasn't the laughing stock. But as they got to the very end and they, they, they were down to the very last batch of feed that they could give to the animals. It was the last of the last. They cracked open the last of the bales. They've got like a, um, they call it the, the feed bank. They store up bales of hay for the, the downtime. And it's, this was from last year's winter and they eked it out and they got to the last of the hay and the last of the feed and they cried out to the Lord. They said, Lord, this is it, we're done. That was Tuesday night. And in the middle of Tuesday night, 14 mils of rain. And the next day, 30 mils. And the next day, another 20. Last night, another 14. Wow. Truly, he causes rivers to flow in the desert. And uh, he sent me pics last night. It's now beginning to flow off the top of the mountain and down and replenishing the dam. 20% uh, of the annual rainfall came in a period of three days. Quick acceleration, God can turn things around. And I uh, saw pictures. Um, Heinz Winkler had been doing a couple of these these. Um, Worship and prayer events and praying for rain, gathering the farmers, going to some of these remote areas. I think we've got to be careful if we get him back. <laughs> Uppington, he did one the next day, they had a flash flood. <laughs> so it's just kind of, whoa, slow down, boy. Um, but Crawford and within two weeks, the rains were, this last week as well, Crawford was, maybe it was three weeks between the prayers. So, you know, when we pray and it looks desperate, don't give up. Don't give up. He, he does do good things. He, there's a display of his splendor. When we get to the end of ourselves. That's when he comes through very powerfully. Verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And I spoke about that at the end of December. That the Lord is calling us to be a people who are builders. With our words, we're building up. We build up our neighbors. We build up our family. We build up our children. We build up our government. Whether you voted for them or not, you pray for them. You guys read your Bible. Do you remember there's a book called Timothy? You're not convinced. Okay, let me try. You do. Okay. Because Paul, he writes to Timothy, he says, pray for those in authority, kings and rulers, those who are in authority. Yeah? Remember, these are the people who are being subjected by the occupy, occupying forces. 
And he said, pray for those who are occupying you and enslaving you. The guys that are throwing you to the lions, not the rugby team, but <laughs> pray for them. Come on. Doesn't matter who you voted for, doesn't matter what your political persuasion is, pray for those in authority. The Lord would give them wisdom and give them grace and help them to do what is right. Because some of them, they're fumbling around in the dark and they don't know what they're doing. Or sometimes they think they know what they're doing. And some of them are going in completely the wrong direction. Enough said. Pray. We need to build up with our words. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and your vineyards. I think for us, there's a particular application because the Lord is blessing us with people in this congregation from so many different nations. And they're coming and they're strengthening us as the people of God in this house with their worship and their prayers and their faithfulness and their giving and their sharing. Because we, we saw the end of the book that from every tribe and every tongue will be gathered around the throne. And we've been praying, Lord, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're saying, Lord, let it be now what it's going to be like then. And then it's going to be every tribe and every tongue worshiping around the throne. So Lord, let it be, be here now. So we need the foreigners. We need the aliens. Yeah. Spaceships or any of that. We, uh. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Folks, the Lord has, has imprinted this passage of Scripture on our hearts as a people at Breakthrough. That this is what He wants us to be and to do. A people who live this passage. And just to give you a brief synopsis, because a number of folk have have joined us in the last, um, last while. When John the baptizer was baptizing people and he was out in the wilderness and people were streaming to him, it was like a revival, so to speak, and he was baptizing people and, and what it was, was not the baptism of Jesus, this is not believer's baptism, this was a sense that people were recommitting themselves to live for the king. And, and as he was, was, was doing that and he was calling people to radical obedience, radical repentance. And of course there were some people who came to sneer and scoff, religious people, Always will be. Don't believe everything you read on Facebook. A lot of people are very anti who we are and what we do. Because they've been fed 
a misunderstanding of the scriptures because they thought that when the last of the apostles died, the power of God stopped, the work of the Holy Spirit ceased, the gifts of the Holy Spirit overskidovers, and if there's anything that's supernatural, it must be demonic. Because they misread 1 Corinthians 13. We said all these things will cease when perfection comes, when the perfect one comes. Well, the perfect one is Jesus, has not come back yet. Prophecies will cease when the perfect one returns, but until he returns, there's still a place for prophecy and tongues. They misinterpreted, they said, oh, the Bible, the word, is the perfect revelation, therefore, the perfection has come, we've got the Bible, we don't need these things of the Spirit. So we don't do healings, and we don't do tongues, and we don't do prophecy, and we don't do any of this casting out of demons, any of this other stuff. Bad theology. So the religious people were there in Jesus' day. We have religious people, Pharisees, in our day. Jesus went there and before he got there, some of the people were saying to, to John the baptizer, are you the one? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And he says, no, 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 no. There's one coming. I'm not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandal. But when he comes, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Speaking of Jesus. So Jesus comes and the prophetic painting that Lisa did for us a couple of weeks ago. When Jesus came up out of the water, hello? He came up out of the water. He didn't come out from under a sprinkle, but he came up out of the water. Just helping you with your theology. Full immersion. The heavens opened and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. A voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He hadn't yet done one miracle. He hadn't, done, he hadn't started his public ministry, no miracles yet. It wasn't because he'd earned something. No, it's because of his identity was in being a son, being yielded to the Father, living for him wasn't out of doing, it was out of being. Our identity is out of being, not out of our doing. We don't earn beloved because we've done so much for him. We earn beloved because we are in him. Hmm. Three messages just in those couple of sentences. He goes there. And um, Philippians says that when he came to earth, he emptied himself. He, he became as nothing. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he, he emptied himself and he became nothing. Part of what Jesus was doing, he was showing us as the God-man, 100% man, 100% God. 
I know theologically, kind of, ooh, your brain does, this is hard to comprehend. But he came to show us as he emptied himself of, of his divinity as a human, completely yielded to the power of God and the power of the Spirit, what a human being could do yielded to the Father and what it looked like to walk in the power of the Spirit. This is really important because when he says, hey guys, I want you to do the works that I've done and actually even greater works, if we have the mentality which says, you know what, Jesus did all the miracles and all those supernatural things because he was God. And I'm not God, so I can't do all that stuff, so I'm clocking out. And if that's your theology, you've probably got a good excuse to sit on the sidelines. But that's not your theology. Because we understand that he came to leave us an example that we might walk in his footsteps. And it is possible for us because he emptied himself and he became full of the Spirit. The Spirit descended on him like a dove. Next chapter, Luke 4, it says, Then the Spirit led him. He was full of the Spirit and he led him into the wilderness. Not all your wilderness experiences are because the Holy Spirit has abandoned you. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit who's leading you into a wilderness because there's some things that he wants to accomplish. And some of it might be crushing the serpent's head. He came up out of that experience after 40 days and he came in the power of the Spirit. He went full of the Spirit and after that experience, verse 18, I think 14, he came in the power of the Spirit. And there, after that, better end it soon, I guess. He goes down to his hometown and he goes to the synagogue as was his custom. And because he's a traveling rabbi, they open up the scroll to the place where it was and they would just, from week to week, they would open up and read from where they left off the previous week and it was given to him and it just so happens that he rocks up at the right place at the right time and it's Isaiah 61. Because the scroll was open and given to him. It was at that thing. Come on, God's always on time. It might be your last bag of feed. He's going to rock up at the right time. The rain will come at the right time. And he reads from Isaiah 61. He rolls up the scroll gives it back to the attendant, and he goes and sits down. Now, sitting down actually was the way in which they preached in those days. He would sit down to preach. That's why all the eyes of the people were fixed on him, because they're expecting him to say something. He says, this is being fulfilled today in your hearing. What Jesus came to, to, to pronounce was like his manifesto. 
The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because He's anointed me to do these things. Jesus said to His followers, Guys, you've got a mission, but before you start the mission, there's one more thing you need. Wait until the Spirit comes on you. Acts 1. You'll be empowered and then you'll be able to give a good witness, a good account, a good testimony of who I am. And you'll be able to do it at home, a little bit further afield, on the other side over there, even to the ends of the earth. So they did. Then we get to Acts chapter 2. Crazy stuff happens, a bit like what we were singing this morning. Blow, wind, blow. Fire. Let your fire come. We were, you, you know that songs are like prayers. Prayers just set to music. You, we were praying, we're saying, Lord, have your way. Come like a mighty wind. We were saying, Lord, do Pentecost again in my life. Come, have your way. I think the Lord is grabbing hold of the attention of his people across the planet. And he's doing so in some unusual and extraordinary ways. One of the ways in which he's doing that is he's, he's grabbing a hold of the attention of his kids and he's saying, you know what? The anointing, the mantle, the gifting that was on one person who rose up like a, like a giant, so to speak, is now going to be on the body of Christ. We saw that with people like Bob Jones and his ability to, to prophesy and words of knowledge. And when, when Sean bolts comes, we're going to see that. But we've also got somebody who is here on our soil in Africa. Uh, we'll, we'll carry on on Wednesday night. He was at a meeting, over one million people. I'll show to you on, on Wednesday night. Over one million people filled with the Holy Spirit. And they go off crazy, worshiping, praising the Lord, glorifying Him in a language they never knew before, in the language of the Spirit. Over a million people in one meeting. This is probably the most important thing that we need to get right as the people of God as we start out a new decade. We don't try and do it in our own strength with better New Year's resolutions. It's time to empty ourselves. 
answer, come Holy Spirit. Would you empower me to live and to walk by the Spirit? Last illustration and then we're going to bring it in. Don't worry, I went to a meeting yesterday. The guy had 10 closes. I learned something from a really good theologian called Andrew Wilson about Ephesians 5, where it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be being filled with the Spirit. You know, the be being is present continuous tense in the Greek. And, and, and the contrast between, you know, being under the influence of alcohol or being under the influence of the spirit that your actions are not controlled by wine but your actions if you like are controlled by the spirit but he helped me see something I hadn't seen before because the thing of being be being filled with the spirit spirit pneuma in the Greek it's for wind He says, it's not so much about being filled, but it's like a sailboat that puts up the sail and turns it so that the wind of the Spirit might fill the sail and that you might be carried along in the power of the Spirit. That's what we need. Come on, if ever there's a New Year's resolution, how can I set the sail to be being filled by the Spirit? Let's stand. we put our hand on our heart. More accurately, it's probably down here, but anyway. Our being. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and fill us again? As we start out a new decade we want this to be a decade where it's all about you. Where we empty ourselves of our own selfish ambitions and all these other things that can so easily distract and consume us. But that we set our lives like a sail. Come and fill us. Come and fill us. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, would you be upon us and in us in such an overwhelming way that we know we're under the influence? 
Cause us, Lord, to live in such a way that we are yielded, that we are sensitive and attuned to the subtle changes in wind direction, that we might go where you're leading us. We thank you, Lord, for the power that's released through the activity of you breaking into this world. Would you break through into our lives? As much as we trust in you for breakthroughs in our circumstances, it's all about you. It's all about you. Breakthrough into our hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, come and brood over us. Even as you hovered over the waters, the very beginning, it was chaos. But you came and you hovered and you brought divine order. Do that in our lives, Lord. In this year, may this truly be a year of the Spirit. We get so into the flow of it, it becomes a decade of the Spirit. Touch our hearts, touch our lives. Have your way. Thank you, Lord. So fill us afresh. Let's just reach out to him. Fill us afresh. Your blessing rest upon us. Carry us along. Cocoon us, Lord. We, we need your shelter, we need your protection, we need your provision, we need your infusion of dynamic, dunamis, powerful energy. Let it be at work within us. And as we go to the places where we live and the places where we shop and the places where we play, the places where we work, let there be such a a draft of your spirit that other people get caught up in it. Let it overflow. To your praise, your honor, and your glory. And all God's people said, Amen, amen, amen. amen.